All right, here we are for this week's installment of uh, Matt's podcast. Uh, let's see, is this episode, this is episode nine, correct? Yes, episode nine. All right, I'm Al home as usual, and you are my brother, Matt home, and uh, we are here to discuss the Mavs. We, uh, we have decided to start our podcast during... Uh, Probably the most abysmal season in the last 15 years. Is that fair to say? It's funny you say that. I had a fake uh, fake email lined up later from myself asking us <laughs> why we decided to start a podcast in the worst year the math have had but in you know 15 what? years, 20 years, thought, whatever it is. I thought about this, and it's actually ideal because nobody's focused on the standings. People are barely focused on the product, and fans need entertainment. So I think this podcast is coming at actually just the right time because uh what are we looking at out there? What 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 is uh what's the point, huh? <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> <What's the point? laughs> we're not competitive. Actually they are competitive and that that leads us to our points this week. All right, I, I know you wanted to start off, so go ahead and uh what you got. Well yeah, speaking of competitive you know, or maybe not being competitive, you know, the big story this past week everybody's been talking about, or at least there were a couple stories written about it, was what the Mavs were going to do with Andrew Bogut. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it a couple times, and they could get a first-rounder for him, uh, but where? And he goes down with a knee injury. Luckily, the injury's not that severe. They're diagnosing it as a bruise. He's going to be out at least 10 days maybe as much as a month, but I don't think that's going to hurt his trade value too much. He'll be back in, t- in plenty of time for the, uh, before the trade deadline in February. And he's shown well when he's been in there. He's been the leading rebounder. So the, so the question I started looking at, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but really, where could he go? And I thought uh-huh. of two destinations that make sense from a basketball standpoint – but really don't make sense from a trade standpoint. And the two that came to mind were Boston and Golden State. And Boston, you know, lined him up with Horford. He's a veteran guy. You know, he gives them a little bit of a bigger presence when they're playing, you know, a team like Cleveland. So I I think it it would make a lot of sense. He's a smart basketball player. I think he would love Brad Stevens. Um, But the problem is, the Mavs need to get a first round pick out of this trade. I think that's, I think that's critical for the Mavericks or to get something significant in return. And it, it would be really depressing if that significant piece was Jay Crowder back from the Celtics. But, well, uh, we I, need to get something. I don't think they give us Jay Crowder. <laughs> that, but, uh, that's really the, that might be the saddest thing is that now Jay Crowder's not, yeah, we can't just get him in one of these trades, but. Yeah, my point is is that their first-round pick, they can swap with Brooklyn this year, which Brooklyn's awful. And, and that's their only, only first-rounder this year, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's too valuable for them. So the question would be there, it's like, would they give up one of those future first-rounders they have? And if so, would the Mavericks, would you want that if you're the Mavericks? Um. I mean, I don't think uh, – well, this kind of leads me to my first point, and we'll mesh the two. 
Because uh, Mark Cuban came out this week on a Stairmaster, and he had his little uh, talk. <laughs> he had his little talk about tanking, not tanking, and I'm convinced he's really playing a bit coy with the media. But I fear, I fear. This is my fear with Mark Cuban. I would say like 9.5 out of 10 times he walks into the room and he's the smartest guy in the room. And yeah. what I fear is, you know, this this becomes like an investment strategy. So instead of like saving 10% of your income every every month, which might be your basic uh, savings plan, I'm going to compare that to just drafting your first-round pick every year, Okay. Um, you have Mark Cuban come in, and he wants to do a little shake-and-bake creative thing like, oh, you didn't see that coming, did you? And so I'm fearing everybody says we need to trade Bogut for, for another first-round pick, which Tim McMahon confirmed this week that many GMs think we would have no problem getting that from a uh, playoff team. Um, and instead, as he kind of noted on uh, during his talk this week, that they try to trade whomever it is, veteran-wise, uh, for more of a salary dump on a, a bad contract for somebody. And so that made me think of, like, maybe an Evan Turner for Portland or a Festus Ezeli for Portland. And um, I kind of have no interest in either of those guys. But uh wanted to see what your take was on uh, maybe that is, – is, is that a is that Cuban just messing with the media a little bit because he doesn't want to be straight up? You can't tell people we're tanking, or do you think he's serious? I don't think he ever wants to come out and say we're tanking. I think yeah. he's kind of lucked out this year in that. Yeah, boy, they, yeah. There's well, well, no, in the sense that there's so many injuries that this team that. You know, some people were like, oh, this is definitely a playoff team, these veterans, et cetera. It's like everybody's been hurt, that they've really, we've never been healthy all year. And I don't know how good we'd be if we were healthy, but if everyone was 100% healthy, I think this team would be significantly better than what they've shown. But all that being said, he's kind of lucked out that they can tank and kind of have this excuse of, Hey, look, we're not tanking. No, look, we're just we're just beat up. This is this is just bad luck. This is just bad luck. But I don't think he will ever come out and say we're tanking. And and technically, they're really not. They're just not that good. And so I, I think that is a little bit of that. That he's never going to come out and say that. Now it was interesting because last summer, uh, when the topic of draft picks came up, when the draft came around. Donnie and I think even Cuban came out and were like, well, you know, we were targeting this 2017 draft all along. Now we really want our first round pick because that's the draft everyone said was going to be stacked. There was some quote along those lines that sort of made it seem like what they've been doing this whole time was some sort of larger big picture strategy, which I would love to believe, but I kind of find it hard to believe that somehow – you know, uh, trading picks so that we can hit it big in free agency. I, after failing at that three, four times, now you come out and say, well, look, that was kind of the strategy all along. We knew we weren't going to get good through the draft when plenty of other teams have gotten good through the draft. It's 
So it's kind of two-sided is that I do think Cuban would never say that, that the Mavericks are tanking. But on the other side, it's like they do. There is a little bit of revisionist history that goes on there. And I agree with you that the idea of just kind of putting aside 10% every month doesn't really appeal to him. The idea of just sort of, hey, we got yeah. a good first-round pick. We drafted him, and, and here we go. We're good again. It's like he wants to kind of, yeah, all right, when we get the first-round pick. But look, we also, okay, we, we outsmarted this guy and got this guy, and, and now we're really good. You know, he wants well, to do something yeah. like that. Yeah, because, you know, the secondary fear, too, is we get a top-five pick, and uh, we just trade him away. We trade the uh, pick away for uh, a veteran, you know, whoever that is. And, and I, right. right now, I'm fully committed to we've got to rebuild. And, you know, Dirk is just a bonus. We can't, the whole one more run thing is, I, I just don't think it's the approach, you know. I think it has to be, you know, at this point, it's almost shaping up like, and not quite, not quite as, uh, not quite as nicely or not quite as, uh, extended as what the Lakers have done. But, you know, they had three really bad years. They got three really good draft picks and they brought them all in. And all the while they had Kobe Bryant and they just did this little farewell tour for Kobe and, and he left. And even if Kobe wasn't there, they weren't going to be that good. So might as well have Kobe there and draw some fans in. And then this year, it's like, all right, let's bring in a younger coach, and they're fun to watch. And I don't think the Mavericks are going to require a coaching change, but I'm fine with, hey, let's trade Bogut or Darren Williams because, I mean, if he can get us something great. But let's get a couple more draft picks, bring in some younger guys next year that are are really talented younger guys. And you still have Harrison Barnes, and and Wes Matthews is kind of rounding into shape as, as a contributor. And uh, you do a little Dirk farewell tour next year, and then after that, you're you're kind of you're just young at that point. You got a couple younger guys. Harrison Barnes at that point is still only like 26 a couple of years from now. So, and you've probably got money under the cap as well. You well, can, but you're I, more attractive at that point to a free agent. Yeah, and I wonder. Okay, you have Barnes. You know, we we've got. I'm not so sold on Dirk ending his career next year, to be honest with you, because let's say we we nail this draft pick, okay? And let's say we get a B-level free agent, maybe like a Caldwell Pope or a Nerlens Noel. Somehow we get him on the team um, through trade or whatnot. I mean, you're looking at a pretty nice young core, and if you got Berea and Dirk coming off the bench as like this, uh, dynamo bench second team tandem. I mean, I would love that, you know, and I think sure. Dirk, I think Dirk would enjoy that too because it's no pressure. He comes in, he scores 15 a night. Maybe he's even sixth man of the year, a la, you know, Kevin, Mc, Kevin, uh, McHale during his, uh, the end of his career. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sold on Dirk ending his career next year. And so, um, Anyways, that all being said, uh, I do think that we need to focus on a first-round pick for Bogut. I, I'm, unless, you know, the player coming back, we really got to like is like a, a building block. And I, I'm not seeing – I'm not seeing – Well, they're going to need to take something back. So Bogut makes 
about $11 million. And right. one of the trade partners I looked at was Golden State. But okay. they really don't have the guys with the salaries to yeah. make the trade work. It, it's strange because you'd almost have to take a first-round pick, which at this point is probably going to be the last pick in the, in the first round, but a first-round pick, and then like Zaza and JaVale McGee, <laughs> and maybe something else to to kind of make the trade work. And it's almost like we're swapping back our, our center situations from a year ago. So yeah, it ends I up think being maybe a, the Warriors uh, would want to do it, but I don't think it's I don't think it's feasible. Yeah, I think the Warriors are in an interesting place because they can't. They're so top heavy; they don't have the uh, ancillary salaries to kind of trade for anyone. Really, you know, it's very difficult. Right. right. And then uh, we don't have the cap space to just absorb, or they don't have the cap space to absorb either. So, um, might be a three-way deal. Who knows? Donnie loves those. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I'm, now, I'm I think Portland thinking. makes the most sense, but I, I think you're right. We're going to have to take one of those one of those contracts they have. And depending on who it is, that, that may not be the worst thing in the world, especially if they're in the, you know, 8 to $10 million range. Like yeah. That's, that's a little more tolerable. I'd be okay with a Zeely and a first. I just don't want just a Zeely. I... I heard terrible things about him. I don't think he's very smart. Uh, I think he would frustrate uh, Carlisle a lot in a JaVale McGee yeah. kind of way. And yeah. um, I just don't know if he, anything's going to really ever become of that guy. So I I just want to make sure we get that first, if that's what he's worth. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't care where Bogut went in that regard, as, as long as we got the first right. pick. Yeah. So. Right. That would be positive. Uh, point number two for me this week, uh, the return of, or really the arrival of Dwight Powell, finally. He, uh, yeah. He had 17 and 15 in back-to-back games. He looked alive, and uh, he looked, it, I'm, I'm starting to feel it's about 80 to 90% confidence with that guy because, he could just jump out of the gym sometimes. His form looks great on his jump shot. It's just one mistake, and he literally is in the corner on the court just beating himself. Like, the facial expressions kill me, right? Yeah, he really does kind of fall apart. And I wonder if some of that is because he thinks one mistake is going to kind of do him in instead of... yeah. I mean, look at a guy like Wes Matthews, who's used to playing bigger minutes. He's making all sorts of mistakes out there, and he oh, and he yeah. kind of fought through it. And he's playing he's playing significantly better now. But he doesn't worry about it because he knows he's going to get his minutes. Where where Powell might be one of these guys that like, oh, geez, I made a mistake. I'm probably coming out. Uh, oh goodness, and kind of beats himself up. Yeah, and maybe they had a talk with him that's just like, look, you're going to have to be our guy. Like you're going to have to step up and. And don't worry about that because, yeah, he has, he seems to play, he's playing with a lot more confidence. And yeah, you're right. He's kind of the guy that I think everyone felt was really promising going into this year, but we had yet to see up to this point. Yeah. And, you know, oddly enough, you know, he was, he was the throw in for, for the Jay Crowder, Rajon Rondo deal. And, mm-hmm. um, 
I feel like it's coming down to him just needing more minutes because of, you know, Jay Crowder, we felt like we feel about Dwight Powell, about Jay Crowder. And then he got more minutes, and he finally turned the corner and was a consistent player in Boston. And I feel like I'm hoping they learned their lesson on that because uh, – and then this Bogut injury really helps Powell in that regard where yeah. he can just keep playing because, you know, if he could play 20 to 30 minutes a night and keep putting up, you know, 15 and 8, um, that's – if he could be our best big off the bench, I mean, that's what he's getting paid for. And that would be uh, very similar to like a Brandon Wright-like role from a few years ago. Um, there's no reason why he can't be that and, and then some because he has better skill set. Uh, so I'm very like this. I feel like this point proves this podcast is not focused on being right. We're just pointing out what we're seeing and, uh, as of right now, he's our second most efficient player uh, to Harrison Barnes, and uh, I'm really hoping he could just keep it up because that's it's it's nice when you have more than one bright spot on your team in a losing season. And Harrison Barnes continues to impress every game. He's he's like remarkably efficient, but um, to have Powell come along in a losing season like this too would be uh, just as just as awesome. Yeah, no, at this point, that's if you're a Mavericks fan, that's exactly what you want to see. It's just these younger guys just keep getting better and better so that you have a few guys that you can kind of count on in the future and you're building a rotation a little bit. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and, go ahead. Oh, I was going to move on. Did you have one more point on Powell? No, go ahead. Okay. So the other thing, I was looking at the Western Conference standings, and for the first time, I think in a few years, it's really interesting because the top eight are all above 500, and then nine on down are all below 500. And there's starting to be some separation between, I think, Portland's in eighth and the Lakers are in ninth. And there's like a three-game spread right now. And just looking at those teams from nine down, I, I think that's for the first time in a few years, there's not going to be a ton of drama as to who the eight playoff teams in the West are. Uh But what I think is going to be interesting is that as the Mavericks schedule, they really did have a hard schedule to start the year. Like I think it was the hardest in the league. It was, was, yeah, you know, it it was a brutal schedule to start and their schedule is going to kind of turn the corner and get easier here. So if they get healthy, they're going to start winning some of these games and start moving their way up the Western standings a little bit. I think then they're not going to be a playoff team, but because some of these teams have been pretty bad themselves in the West, and there is this sort of group of, uh, you know, six or seven teams sort of just out of the playoffs that they're going to start passing some of those. So it's going to get, you know, this is more of a kind of a warning to Mavericks fans that it's like, yes, we're at the bottom right now. But if you're counting on, okay, we're going to be the worst team in the league and get a top three pick, that that may start to change as the year goes on and we get yeah. healthier and we could end up in sort of the middle of the pack as far as these teams go. Well, I agree. And I, I noticed that as well. When you look at the schedule, that's that's been going back to your first point of, what a blessing these injuries have been because, uh, 
I think the Mavs and Carlisle would have gone for it again in your typical six, seven, eight seeding type season. And um, with a draft like this, these these injuries are hopefully going to get us, you know, so far behind that we won't be able to catch up. And um, I really, we really need to get a top five pick this year. And so. You know, like I think it was Darren Williams said the other day, every time one person gets healthy, another one goes down. You know, again, I, I, I'm not trying to root against my own team, but this is what's best for the team right now, you know? Well, like, and I think what, what you saw against Charlotte on Monday, early both Charlotte games in the last week, are really what's going to be what I expected a little more of from the Mavericks, which is we're going to be competitive every night. And, and like yeah. I wrote down, our next our next four games, we got Sacramento tonight, Indiana Friday, at Houston, and then Denver Monday. That could be easily 0-4. That can be 3-1. and You know, like that could go any which way on that, yeah. on that group. Because defensively, the Mavericks are like one of the top 10 defensive teams in the league right now. Just yeah. offensively, we are dead last. It is yeah. awful offensively. Yeah. And so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think this schedule is like tonight. I don't know what to expect from Sacramento, except DeMarcus Cousins is going to have 40 points and 20 rebounds. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's uh, like I, I look back at the two games this week against Charlotte and San Antonio. I am full on rooting for them the whole game. They blew the fourth quarter in both games. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I don't care. And it's like, it's a nice feeling afterwards because it's almost like the perfect Maverick game for this season. Lose it in the fourth, entertain me most of the game, and then, um, you know, keep working towards that draft pick. Yeah. 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 And and really, again, I, I think it's great that we're not sitting through this season where they're really doing things intentionally to lose games. It's really <laughs> the group they put out there is just not quite good enough to beat a whole lot of other NBA teams. I was shocked on Saturday when they blew out the Bulls, but Dwayne Wade doesn't travel after a back-to-back, so he's not even in the gym. And then Rajon Rondo, upon entering the arena, went back into Rajon Rondo as a Mavericks mode and decided to yell at his yell at assistant coaches and cause a cause a stir and and just they just couldn't play him that night so they were down essentially two starters when yeah. we beat them which was uh, which was unfortunate because Rajon's backup Jeremy Brandt did awesome <laughs> you know yeah yeah Rajon went on to say that uh, American Airlines. Uh, center is haunted, and he blamed uh, demons in the arena for his behavior. Very, well, very, very strange a, reaction. He's a genius, and he's a genius, <laughs> so you can't argue with him. Yeah, if I hear one more time that Rajon Ronda is a genius, I'm just going to throw up. Like, he's not. I'm I also sorry. like that the, the proof behind his genius is that he's never lost a Connect Force. Yeah. Like, that's a real people rely on. Well, look. He he's can a real savant. In the next four. That's he's that's a game. Like I think my three year old daughter might get that for Christmas this year. Yeah. Like that's 
Like, yeah, he, there's some strategy behind it. Sure. You got to have, all right, it's okay. But let's not base that as like, well, that's why he's a horrible human being to talk to because he's so good at connect for. Yeah. He's such a savant. He hasn't figured out to shoot a thousand <laughs> jumpers a day for the last 10 years. <laughs> I, if I walked onto a court and he was standing there, I would put money <laughs> that I would beat him in a three point contest. He's yeah. So terrible. Yeah. Like, he is terrible. So, anyways, enough about that. Uh, one more point I'd like to make. Are you done with your okay. last point? Uh, I am. I am. Again, egg in my face. The return of Wes Matthews. Uh, I think he's. I think he's shot forty-seven percent from three over the last ten games. It's so, ridiculous. It's amazing. But, you know, as I reflect on it, I can't remember a player, even Jet wasn't this bad when, um, like, Wes Matthews, he's either on or completely off. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah. Like that Charlotte game a week ago where he was like one for 11, it's just yeah. like, it's, it, it just reminds you so quickly of why you had doubts about him. And then the next game against the Bulls, he's just, like, ridiculous. And so um, I'm fine with him. He's a good clubhouse guy. If he if he lives out this contract with the same type of play, I'm okay with it. You know, he's uh, even if it is streaky, he's been playing really good defense. And um, as we get more pieces around him, I'm still hoping he uh, – he either continues efficient play and is just a good trade chip, or he's just he just becomes better because he's not the load the load of scoring isn't on him as much, and he's just more open. I, yeah, I think in that last point, I think is exactly right. I think he's had to create his own shot, which really isn't his game. I think where he's been most successful is when you know he's you know working within the offense and then is hitting you know, good open shots. And I think you imagine if Dirk is out there or even Dirk and Darren Williams, along with Harrison Barnes, that would open things up so much for Wes Matthews. And then he's just shooting open jumpers at that point. And I don't think, I don't think he's going one of 11 on open jumpers. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. So, um, so I think that's a guy, that's a guy that if you think you're bringing in next year, you know, let's say we get a top five pick and a really good point guard, you know, there's just, you know, point guards at the top of this draft yep. and you can bring back a healthy Dirk and maybe sign somebody else who could score a little bit. Wes Matthews could start to look fantastic in yep. a lineup like that, just because yep. he's getting more open looks. He just has to defend and, uh, you know, that contract looks more and more palatable the more the, the cap goes up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that's what the Mavs are thinking, too. He could still be, you know, a starter. He could still be a valuable piece. And uh, I'm just, I'm very excited that he came around because first two weeks of the season, him and Dwight Powell looked like $25 million of just waste. (laughs) And so I'm very grateful that those guys are delivering, and um, you know, yeah, Dirk not playing at twenty five million dollars a year was more was more value than we were getting from those two. It's true. He was more efficient, actually. Fascinatingly, 
but uh <laughs> i uh i am grateful for that uh that turnaround for both of those guys cuz uh yeah and then Harrison Barnes uh it's not really my last point i i just can't say enough good things about him he looks like such a solid piece and um, oh i love him yeah yeah and and you're right the efficiency is just crazy because usually on bad teams you know it, we all know like this is the one good guy that the Mavericks has and yet he's still just He's able to get his shots, and he's he's able to do things on on both ends of the floor. And no, it's yeah. it's just been it's just been awesome. Your, your statement that he might be the best free agent signing in Mavericks history is uh, there's no might uh, anymore. It's it's like <laughs> it's, it's yeah, almost like twenty uh, games in, it's over. It's, it's over. like a yeah. stupid statement. And then on top of it, seeing Parsons in and out of the lineup, just doing his thing, kind of thing. Like yeah. uh, I, I think it only like oh it's he's such a solid player comparatively speaking and again i think the scariest part about that transaction is how we kind of fell into it and it wasn't right it wasn't the plan it wasn't (laughs) it was more so from what i understand barnes called the mavericks and said i want to play for you guys if it doesn't work out here and then they thought about it and said Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily an amazing free agent pitch. It was more so like, I choose you. And you know, I, it, it kind of goes in line with our free agency. Like the ones we pursue, it's almost like that friend that you have that always dates the crazy girl and thinks she's awesome until she isn't. And, um, yeah. But, and, but his and, best friend is like this really level-headed, cute girl that it's like, why don't you just date her? And it's like, exactly. ah, come on, we're just friends. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so every free agent we went after is the crazy girl, and then Harrison Barnes is the stable friend. And so yes. thank yes. thank God for Harrison Barnes, and thank God for injuries, and uh, the good karma coming Maverick's way. So... Uh, we have a lot to be thankful for in this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the Mavericks are four and fifteen. Yeah, you know they're still very entertaining. I'm going to watch the game all the way through. Outside of the Cleveland game, I've watched every game. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, there I, really have been only a couple that are just downright unwatchable. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, good stuff overall, and uh, hopefully Santa will bring us some theme music for Christmas, huh? What do you think? That's where yes, we're gonna we're gonna work on theme music. I mean, we're getting endless tweets and emails about the theme music. People were working on it. Okay, yeah, have patience. yeah. And as, as but well you as can email emails. us at mavspodcast at gmail dot com, Twitter at the Mavs Podcast. And uh, until next week, huh? Yeah, we'll do it again next week. Episode ten, a landmark. Next week, double digits. All right. I'll talk to you then. All right.